Welcome, my friends, to Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat, the podcast that never ends, where we gather our clan and talk about the peace and love in our lives, the difficulties along the journey, and how we rise up from them. We will experience a little thing I call cluberty together, and by the end of the show, we're going to find our sweet spot. I'm Uncle Dave, and our transformation starts right here. Hey now, and how are you doing? Just want to welcome you to the next episode of Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Today, my friend Joseph is going to come on. We're going to talk about business. We're going to be talking about so many different things. But the magic that Joseph has is his uncanny reach that he has across borders and the idea of how to dig down into not only his ashes that he experienced in his own life, but how to then soar and kind of rise himself above. How are you doing this morning, Joseph? Great, and thank you for having me, Dave. It's an honor. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Uh, you know, you and I have connected uh, a couple of times, and then we've had some misconnections uh, because of our children, or my children. <laughs> so uh, it, it all works out. The universe provides exactly the right time and the right place, and here we are today. So Amen. We'll, we'll, we'll begin our journey. Uh, I always like to start off uh, most episodes with just understanding who you are and what you do so could you tell us a little bit about what brings you peace and love into your life? What's what's the meaning of Joseph? Well, uh, the peace and love, first of all, is my two beautiful children and my wife. Um, uh, I'm an avid salsa dancer, and that's kind of an outlet for me to relax and release stress. Uh, and from a perspective of why I'm here in this podcast, I've dedicated my life to helping individuals uh, land their dream job and companies to hire the right fit people and keep them as a corporate culturist kind of thing. Well, that's one of the things that we, we love. Is we, that's really what the podcast is about, bringing culture and stuff like that. But we And most of us are still working a, a day job. So changing the corporate culture is something I'm very passionate about. And I know it's something you're very passionate about, and you've been doing it for a while. So what made you decide that you... You want to be there. You, you know, it's not so easy changing corporate culture. Uh, I think it's, first of all, personal experiences and kind of seeing, uh, sadly, because I'm uh, a resume whisperer and kind of a recruiter on both ends of it, the statistics say that 80 to 90% of people in North America hate their job. And the number one reason is because of how they're treated. And so, you know, when I was working in the banking system, for example, I used to answer the phone with it's a great day or it's a fantastic day at bank name. One of my coworkers complained that me saying great or fantastic could be interpreted as the bank's making too much money. So the bank had three two hour long meetings to discuss whether or not I was allowed to say great and fantastic and decide it was easier to ban me than to retrain 120 traders on the floor. Right now, right after this happened, um, one of the senior VPs came to me and said, you know what, morale here is really low. I want you to kind of create a social committee to help boost morale. I said, okay, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to organize a potluck. And he looked at me and said, yeah, that's probably not going to work because the majority of people here are bachelors. They'll probably just give you five, ten dollars and say they'll eat whatever somebody else brings. I said, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And I created an Excel spreadsheet. And, you know, this many people can bring drinks, this many people can bring um cookies, the whole list. And I logged off the phone for two hours, starting with the executive. I said, I don't care if you make it, your partner makes it, your mom makes it, or you buy it, but you have to bring something right and sign up for there. 
the day of the potluck, I had the equivalent of about four full-size boardroom tables worth of food. And I logged off the phone to organize the food in a logical manner so that chocolate's not beside meat kind of thing. Um, now, everybody talked about how amazing, how much variety of food there was, the fact that they could log off their phone for a minute, go grab a cookie and come back to their desk. And during the quarter, I won seven out of 10 contests, including answering 151 trading calls in an eight-hour shift. Mm. At the end of the quarter, the bank refused to give me my bonus because I was logged off the phone for four hours to organize the potluck that the senior VP asked me to do. So this is a great example of really bad corporate culture. Now, the banks know they can get away with it because they're the banks, and it's still better than working, let's say, at Dunkin' Donuts or uh, even if you're working in the back office of Dunkin' Donuts, there's a certain level of implied respect that you work in a bank, for example. Um, And so having experienced that myself and then having experienced that with clients of mine that are part of my recruiting business or corporate culturist business, and they don't understand, you know, when you treat people really badly, you're going to lose good people. You're going to lose your reputation. Um, And it's a conversation that, you know, a lot of people preach corporate culture, but have no idea how to apply it. And it's so simple sometimes, and most executives don't think about it, right? Um, And so I've been in situations where, like, for example, the company organizes a Halloween costume party, but none of the executives dress up. Mm. So it sends a message like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, do it, but we don't really care about you or about this. And so when I have conversations with leadership, listen, I don't care if you have meetings all day, come for 10, 15 minutes, go to Dollar Tree, uh, buy a mask for a couple dollars, wear the cheap mask, smile, take a few pictures, shake a few hands of people that put in an effort to dress up, then take off your mask, go to your meetings. But that 10 to 15 minutes that you spend in the morning acknowledging people that actually dressed up will go so much in the people that work for you buying in to your leadership and to your communication of this is the vision and mission and strategy that we're doing to serve our customers, for example. By not doing it, you're creating an environment where people are disconnected to everything that you're saying. And unfortunately, there's a massive gap between what is being said and the actions that are being taken. And so part of my business is to help not only uh, explain that to leadership, but to help build strategies that are from you know no budget to potentially Google budget in terms of how do we take care of people. Uh, and there's plenty in between that organizations don't think about. And unfortunately, most HRs don't think about because they're too focused on the day-to-day, you know, what is the dress code? What is the uh, harassment policies? What are vacation days and things like that, benefits? And again, those are all necessary. But in the world today where, you know, people need outlets, people's mental health is becoming such a big issue, there are different ways to kind of go, I appreciate and recognize the people that work for me. Yeah, well, that's so important that people don't realize those in-betweens how do you identify the in-betweens? I mean, I guess you have to embed yourself in culture uh, or do you just, you know, summarize? Because, because most cult- company cultures are really very similar. So uh, there's kind of, we'll call it a few parts of the puzzle there. So the first part is uh, I have licenses with some of the largest and most advanced 
personality assessments where I can tell employers how somebody thinks, acts, and behaves, uh, both inside and outside of the work. So I am data-driven to say, here's what your employees care about, and here's um, what can be implemented without breaking the bank, in essence, uh, in terms of recognizing it. Uh, I think the, the biggest gap is that most companies don't take the time to check what drives their employees, right? It's not usually the money. So for example, if somebody is eager to learn new things, you can create a program, a five-year plan that says, here's what we'll teach you. And teaching is not necessarily doubling the salary. It could be paying for a self-development course. It could be, here's what you're going to do on your next project so that you're not bored. It could be, here's uh, the communication style. Uh, second of all, it's speaking to organizations. So like even as a recruiter, for example, one of the questions I teach candidates to ask in an interview is, what do you love about working here? If the answer is the money's really good, chances are the corporate culture is really shitty. Mm. Because most people don't remember the money. They'll remember the barbecue. They'll remember the fact that they got ice cream in the summer or that, you know, during busy season there was stress balls or smiley face balloons that was given to employees that again you're going to dollar tree and buying you don't need to create there um but it, part of where i start is to go okay what's the turnover in this organization so if the turnover is let's say close to 10 percent, there are some big gaps that need to be addressed and so i look at what are the gaps and based on understanding what are gaps how can we create a strategy? A lot of times it's a conversation where people don't think like, so I'll give them examples. So for example, if you are an executive and you have an administrative assistant or an executive assistant and they've worked really hard for you, you can give them a thousand dollar bonus, which I'm sure the money will help. Uh, but instead of giving them a thousand dollar bonus, give them a half a day of pay, uh, like, and send them to the spa for $300. Yeah. It costs you less money, but the spa is kind of a pampering. And most administrative assistants won't allow themselves to do it as often or there. But the fact that the executive goes, I want you to take care of you, and they'll spend $300 at the spa, that administrative assistant is going to work twice as hard because the executive assistant thought of their well-being, not... It's that Just personalized approach. Yeah, it's definitely right. that personalized approach, and, and, and that really helps. But uh, so I, I have a quick question. So we've been talking about what the companies should do. What, uh, you know, what should individuals do if they're in a corporate culture that uh, – if they're in a corporate culture to, to make them uh, rise? Look, many corporate cultures can be very toxic. So you have to, first of all, decide if it's worth staying at the job. You know, I'm not saying quit your job right away, but I'm saying like at least be aware that you can apply for other opportunities while sure. we're in a negative culture and that there are other opportunities that exist out there. You just need to brand yourself and market yourself, which is part of what I do as uh, Resume Whisperer uh, to help people get to the next better things. Uh, beyond that, there is things that you can be proactive on to take initiative and say, I'm going to organize, for example, a let's go out for drinks on on the Friday, uh, the first Friday or last Friday of the month, just 
get out of the work environment and just kind of be more relaxed and so forth where small initiatives that can be, you know, um, I built a call center from scratch um, that was supposed to generate $300,000 for the year um, with restrictions that my team calls leads that are more than 50 miles away and more than four months old. In less than six months, my team did $2.25 million. And one of the things that I did to build a team was, for example, every Friday, I would spend 10 to $20 to buy them snacks, cookies, uh, you know, donuts, uh, chips, salsa and dip kind of thing, nothing overly crazy. But the team loved the idea of having food so much that they kind of created a schedule. And once a week, one of the employees was responsible for spending a minimum of, let's say, $10 in addition to bring more food choices. Uh, you know, so organizing uh, potlucks, organizing kind of events where uh, the team was doing so well, for example, in sales, that my VP challenged me as the director to kind of say, okay, I want your team to generate $150,000 for the year, for, for the for the week, sorry, for the week. And when we had our meeting, I said, if you hit that before Friday, I will reward the team completely. By Wednesday at 2.20 p.m., the team was at approximately $210,000. Mm. So I told the team on Wednesday that don't bring lunch on Friday. It's on me. Now, by Friday at noon, we were at $320,000, I think, in sales. And not only did I, so what I did is I gave the entire team VIP passes to the movie theater. And I gave each one of them about a $30 gift certificate to buy whatever food they want in the theater kind of thing. I said, if you want to eat together, you keep whatever gift certificates you didn't use. I don't want them back. Mm -hmm. What I'll do is I'll stay back. So that in case somebody calls, because this was an outbound call center, I will answer the phones and whatever sales I close, you, whoever the individual rep will get the credit. My VP found out that I did this. And he's like, did you just send your entire team to the movies during work hours? I'm like, yep. He's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, listen, if my team doesn't perform better next week, you can go ahead and fire me. Right. On Monday, the entire team was lit up because they were like, I can't believe that we can't believe that we got to go to the movies during work hours. We got food where they were so excited because I gave them the full VIP treatment. The team did $430,000 in revenue the next in that week. Right. And it's little things like that, that, yeah, we want more money. But by taking care of the people, they bought into the culture. Sure. They bought yeah. And that's really important is that to know your, 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 your boss, I mean, depending on where you are on the food chain. Now, what would you do with the, I guess, mid-level people? You know, you know, it's not, it's not as easy, right? Uh, you, you know, incentivize. It's actually easier because again, it's a level of what do you want to experience? What would make your life easier? Right? So what can be communicated that is incentive? And again, you need to understand is it is it monetary incentive? Is it, you know, something small, like, for example, um, I you're paying for my parking. Right? I know you mentioned that you're in New York. Parking can be True. phenomenally expensive, right? Sometimes more expensive than the house, depending <laughs> on where you're parking. Um, but most businesses have set parking spots. And because they're getting a package deal or because they've been tenants in the building for so long, their cost point is not 
insane, mm-hmm. right? So it's just a matter of literally having what are the options available. Like most businesses have, um, you know, season tickets to most sports, sure. right? So give them season, give them a game uh, as an incentive to perform. Give them, uh, you know, uh, and again, in the grand scheme, it doesn't cost the company anything extra because they're already paying for it. Right. Uh, and, and there's a level where, again, create the experience. Like if the team has a box and the mid-level manager has done a great team, let the mid-level manager enjoy the box with their friends and enjoy that experience of being in a box, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it comes back to understanding that your people will make you or break you. And if you don't understand that, um, and your mindset is barking and yelling and screaming at your workers, it's going to catch up to you very quickly, especially in this day and age where everything is on social media. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's it's always never, it's always best to not bark in any part of our lives. Uh, we're not dogs, and you know, anytime we start getting loud, uh, it makes other people generally feel uncomfortable. Now you've you've been uh, uncomfortable at some times in your life. So you've talked about all these successes, and but you've been also in the ashes of your life. You've you've been what we'll call what I call on the show, Phoenix moments. And yep. could you explain to us not only your Phoenix moment, but what, how you sought to rise out of those Phoenix moments? Well, I think uh, well, one that I'll share is uh, I had a business partner when I first opened my business, and and when I first opened my recruiting business. Everything I touched up to gold. I didn't really think anything was going to happen. The market crashed in late 2008. By the time it impacted me in recruiting was 2010. Uh, my business partner stole over $270,000 from me and cost me uh, $94,000 in taxes. Um, and I went from having 60 to 90 orders uh, in business to zero literally overnight because my three biggest clients were Deloitte and Touche, Apotex Pharmaceuticals, Tata Consulting Services, they each downsized 1,500 people and put a three-year freeze on hiring. Uh, a lot of, at the time, my recruiting was around accounting firms. Um, the big five let go of approximately 15,000 accountants. And all of my smaller clients were like, we don't need you. There's 15,000 accountants that are begging for a job. So why would we pay you for a fee, uh, a fee for your services? Um, and that completely derailed me. Uh, um, and kind of took me off my entrepreneurial path for a good eight years. Uh, it, it was so bad for me that I was literally living off macaroni and cheese and crackers from the Dollarama or Dollar Tree uh, kind of thing. Um, but there's a level of, I met my wife, we now have two beautiful children, and wanting to give them every opportunity in life and there has kind of inspired me to reinvent myself, mm-hmm. um, not just as a recruiter, but as a corporate culture is where I actually offer more services than I did before for more value added. So, for example, in the recruiting side of things, I offer a full year guarantee to my companies. The industry standard is three months, maybe six months. Mm-hmm. So the reason being is because I'm like, I'm going to service you so well that you're not going to want to replace the people that are there because I do my due diligence. Uh, So that was probably the biggest, most defining moment uh, of redefining myself. Uh, With that, uh, I didn't know what I want to do when I grow up. So I switched careers nine times Mm -hmm. and I switched industries 
uh, while switching careers. So I've switched jobs about 18 times. So I had to reinvent myself every single time to show that I have transferable skills, to show that I can go from, let's say, sales to operations, to go from uh, this. So there's a level where as part of my younger, wilder days, when I reached a certain plateau of like, I became the best salesperson in the company, I got bored. And I was like, this doesn't excite me anymore. So what's next? Uh, so whether it was getting fired or quitting, both happened on a regular to kind of go, I know there's more. Um, and, you know, a lot of people talk about find your purpose, uh, find your passion, find your why. I really didn't understand that conversation for a very long time. Uh, because I come from a family that's extremely risk averse. And so, mm. you know, my father, God rest his soul, was an engineer till the day he died. Um, and even though he had bad bosses, he chose to stay at the job because he was providing for the family. And I respect and admire him so much for that. Um, but not at the cost of me having a heart attack, not at the cost of me kind of being mentally, physically, emotionally ill. And I had that happen where, for example, my father uh, passed away from leukemia and a bad heart. When he passed away, 88% of his blood was infected with leukemia. He had one working artery, uh, two stints, a pacemaker and a defibrillator in his heart, and his heart was functioning at less than 24%. Mm. So when he started doing chemo, because of uh, the cancer, they couldn't do bypass on the heart. And because of the heart, they couldn't do radiation with his chemo. So like his breakfast was 18 pills and his chemo was a cocktail that they had to kind of create. And I remember when he first started doing chemo, he got pneumonia because mm. he had zero immune system. And I was working in a private college where I was averaging 70 to 80 hours a week. I was working six days a week there. Mm. And I was there from literally eight in the morning till nine at night. And I walked into the owner's office and said, my father was just rushed into the intensive care unit. I'm leaving. And the owner looked at me and went, no, I think you're lying. <laughs> I think you just want like time off. And I looked at her and go, I work here six days a week. I'm doing 12 to 14 hour days, right? Do you honestly think that me wanting a day off my only excuse would be my father's about to die. Right. I, I deserve a, a day off no matter what. Uh, right. You know, not. And she's like, yeah. And I literally looked at her and I said, I have one father. I can find another bleeping job. And I walked out. Right. The next day, I actually came with the box ready to kind of be fired and grab sure. my stuff. And she came into the office. She was like, how's your dad? I'm like, he's still in ICU, but he's at least stable. She looked at me and said, you weren't lying? And I looked at her going, what is wrong with you? Yeah. And like literally within two weeks, I was out of there and, uh, you know, actually filed a complaint with the uh, Ministry of Training College and University against her for unethical behavior and certain things that were being done there. Um, but, you know, if there's one thing I, I, I learned from my father's passing is life's way too short to be miserable all the time. Sure. Um, and, 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 you know, me having health issues because I'm so stressed at work, you know, there's good stress in terms of the day-to-day -day needs of the job and wanting to perform well. And there's stress where 
you know, someone tells you that your father dying is not a good reason to be in the hospital uh, <laughs> kind of thing that I kind of realized, you know, so many people are afraid, you know, uh, I shared earlier, if I may just kind of kick back, uh, sure. I shared earlier that I worked at the bank. So when I left the bank and I became a recruiter, I called 37 people that worked with me, that had lunch with me or coffee with me. And, you know, we were acquaintances at work. And uh, one of my first clients was uh, E-Trade. Um, and I basically said, since I already know you, since you're already licensed, I'll give you an $8,500 raise, double your bonus incentives, better benefits. And instead of working in kind of outskirts of Toronto, you'll be downtown in the financial district of Toronto. And all you have to do is come in and shake hands. And because I know that you work shift work, if you work from nine to five, I'll schedule it at eight o'clock at night. If you work from 11 to eight, I'll schedule it at eight o'clock in the morning so that you're not missing a single hour of work. And let me emphasize that I called each one of them on their personal cell phones on the weekend to make sure that there's no chance that the bank <clears throat> heard what I'm offering them. Right. Care to guess out of 37 people, how many actually went? Uh, probably zero, right? Good guess, one. Okay. One went. And, it, you know, uh, I got excuses like, oh, I got used to taking a nap on the bus on the way home. Mm -hmm. I'm like, a nap is worth more than a $40,000 pay increase for you when you calculate the bonuses and everything else. Right. Or well, what if I get the shift I don't like? Again, you're making $45,000 a year. I'm offering you an additional $40,000. The shift is what's going to make the decision for you. Right, uh, right. Uh, right. You, you know, what you, if I get you're, fired? You're not willing. And, I... and that's the biggest challenge. Most people, so I tell always a story all the time about yeah. Pete Sampras. When he was number one in the world, he knew that everybody was coming shooting for him. And he knew he had to still grow. I, and so how I use it with clients is saying, what are you willing to give up to become better than what you are? Because I don't want to hear that, well, I'm already in... Uh, a level of success. Okay, so what are you going to do? Because people want what you want. It, it's not right. just, you know, um, it's not just sitting back. We have to always continue to grow. Yeah, and and that's where again, there's a level where there's always the fear, there's always the hesitation. And if you ever read "Who Moved My Cheese" by Spencer Johnson, yep. the Ham and Haw kind of philosophy, uh, this is where, again, it's first of all is you do realize there's opportunities there. And sometimes we need a good kick in the ass, pardon my language, to sure. to um, get there. You know, like obviously your logo is bring the baseball bat out because sometimes you get somebody needs to be knocked on the head to understand, uh, you know. Well, we we, 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 know, we never want violence. It's all about the boundaries. And... Right. But but I'm saying it in a sense that like. Yeah. You, you, but the, the only way to really, you know, what, what, so using the baseball reference is, you know, if you strike out, that doesn't mean that's the whole game. You know, you yeah. get you get two more at bats. You, you you know, and the idea is to learn from from each one of those things. But oh, and, and generally, it sounds like yourself as well. We only learn best when we have pain. We get the things that we don't want. The strikeout, if you want to use the baseball yeah. bat reference, yep. Right, and, and you know, who was it? Uh, uh, I forget now. I think it was Reggie Jackson struck out twenty six hundred times, but nobody remembers the strikeouts or remember the home runs that he hit. Right, it, uh. it, exactly. You know, Babe Ruth also said, "You know, the next every strikeout brought me closer to the next home run." Which is like that as an entrepreneur, every no we get brings us to closer to the next yes. 
Yeah, in sales, they teach you that you need seven to 12 no's to count as a no because the first three are, they don't even listen to a word you're saying. It's by default, no. Right. Uh, uh, so, yeah, there's a level of that where there are opportunities, plenty of opportunities, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're trying to be an entrepreneur. You know, if you're building your entrepreneur path, there's nothing wrong with having a really good paying job that treats you well. Sure. In order for you to finance your entrepreneurship, rather than be miserable and afraid that, well, you know, if I ask for a raise, I might get fired. If I, you know, apply for a job and the company finds out, I might get fired. No, like, again, there there is ways of doing things. And there is definitely, you know, even with the pandemic where 65 million people lost their job, unfortunately, in North America, the the world theoretically shut down but businesses were still existing they were still running virtually they were still offering services so it's a matter of presenting yourself in a way that says here's what i bring to the table that's different or unique you know um here's the results that i produce that other people might not have or are not as good as mine for example and it's just a matter of distinguishing yourself you know eminem when he wrapped i am who you say i am you exist in listening if i tell you jokes and you're not laughing at any of my jokes i'm not funny to you uh, <laughs> it's just the way it works right um but you can present here's the value that i bring and here's why you need to hire me um and when the right companies understand what you bring to the table they'll be very excited to have you join their team um, that that's exactly it when you find the right path i mean when i talk about the path when you, you know, there's lots of different paths. We can be walking down lost all the time, but uh, you, uh, as the resume whisperer, and, and, you know, help people manage through the right path into corporate America. And you also help companies find the right culture, right? It's not only about. But it's the right people because you got to understand, like, if I use the world of accounting, especially for uh, public accounting, mm -hmm. you know, Deloitte and Touche and. KPMG, both huge public accounting firms, but they have very different cultures and they have very different approaches to how they not only do their files and kind of paperwork, but also how they promote, how they treat people, what are the, the perks of working there. So even though it's the same profession in quotation, you know, they also have different divisions in terms of sure. what work is being done where. So it's wrong to say that all accountants are the same because sure. you're, you have to do that. And so part of that is to go back and say, what drives you? What are the things that you want? And most organizations that even if they have a five-year plan, it's more of a five-year plan of how are you going to progress? Not necessarily what you enjoy, um, you know, and not everybody wants to advance and become a manager. Not everybody wants to, take on the responsibility and the headache of let's say scheduling everybody in there. They're, they're happy with the work that they're doing. And as long as they're being recognized for the effort that they're making, they don't necessarily need the title, sure. for example. Right. So I think there's a level of, it's a conversation. It's always a conversation and it's a level of the emotional connection, and the human factor. Uh, you know, I love the show undercover boss where at the end of the show, the executives go, Oh my God, I should speak to people that work here. I might get some insights. Yeah, think. Yeah, you know, that's the part of being in a corporate culture is the people 
up who create the, the rules don't always understand how it applies. I, I, I'm always amazed when they go, well, this is what we're going to do now. And as an employee, you can go, okay, you know, we always have choices. But you're like, if you could fine-tune that message, you have a great message, but if you fine-tune that message to how it really how you really make the the batter for if you if you're a baker it's easy to say i'm the owner of the bakery but you don't know how to bake or you you don't know what the baker really does to get that yeah so i'm going to steal something from a guy kiwasaki who was the evangelist for apple back in the day and he gave a great example he said if you go to let's say burger king and you ask the manager at the burger king that you visit what is the mission and vision of burger king Chances are they'll look at you with like deer in headlights. Like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. But especially for newer entrepreneurs, instead of creating the mission and vision right away, create a mantra, create three or four words that kind of define here's who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. And in a sense of like, even for you with your logo, you have peace, love, and the call it humor of bring the bat but uh obviously from a mental health and well-being there's a perspective of here's what's different so when like you know nike's slogan just do it right google slogans don't be evil um but if you take something like a just do it or you do three words like peace love and then you embody that this is how i am peaceful this is how i show love to everybody around me in a you know platonic way of kind of there People will buy into that because you're being genuine, you're being authentic, and the messaging is consistent. Mm-hmm. And it's not now fancy words that here's the mission statement or here's a vision statement. It's just here's how I want to show up. And you surround yourself with people that understand that. All of a sudden, it's much easier to buy in. So in the example that I gave with the Halloween costume party, again, it's such a small, simple thing that will right. create buy-in. But so many leaders don't understand that, right? Uh, As an entrepreneur, if you're offering a service that others offer, what is it that you do that's unique? What is it that's better, faster, uh, you know, value added that can come back to kind of go, I don't care that you charge me a little bit more because the value added you're giving me the level of service that you're giving me, the communication that you're, that I'm having with you, uh, the, the, you know, changes that you're willing to make as I'm working with you, that's what matters. And that's where the price points are, you know, similar for me, like when I have people talk to me about my services for resume writing or um, career coaching as a whole, if I have people that are starting to nickel dime me before they've even started working with me, I'm like, I don't want your business. Please go somewhere else. Yep. Um, because it's not worth like, I know what I bring to the table and I know how much I invest in the people that I work with. So if you're like, well, for example, you charge $300 to write a resume, but this person here charges a hundred. I'm like, go to them. Right. right? Yeah. Because I- if that's your mindset, you're not ready for the level that I bring and, you know, my 25,000 hours of mastery, my 20 years in recruiting, my 10 books that I've written kind of thing, because you're looking for cheaper or you're kind of counting your pennies. Right, you're, right you're, mi- you're missing the, 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 the right, goal. Right, that if, yeah, you're if I'm going to help you get a $100,000 salary and you're paying me $300, that's, you know, 
something like a 40x your investment. So right. if you don't, if you're not ready for that, I'm not the right person for you, and that's okay with me. And, and that's right? okay because you and you've earned that over the years to say it's okay. I mean, that's why the way I do things. You know, there's a lot of people who who do similar things. I do it in a unique way. I bring it at it a lot, a lot of different ways. I mean, I just spoke at a, a expo and people are like, I've heard it, but not like that. I go, yeah, it, you know, that, that's what brings me. And the people who don't like the way I, I do it, that's okay. I'm not looking. You and I had this conversation kind of in the green room. I'm not looking for everybody. I got to yeah. tell you, find the right people and that's, the, you know, the right organizations, the right place. That's all you need, man. People make it too easy, too easy, but they complicate that easiness. Look, I have no uh, misconceptions about the fact that, you know, if somebody prefers to hire a woman because they're a woman or identifies a woman, by all means, find the right one for you. I, you know, culturally, you know, if I'm not African-American or this and you're worried that I might not understand some of the difficulties that you might go through, I totally respect that. I totally understand that it's not there. At the end of the day, uh, there is more than enough business for everybody. Sure. Right. I have a mentality of abundance and I have a mentality that, you know what, I'm going to show up consistently. This is who I am. And I'm going to attract both the individuals and the companies that understand that, like you said, resume writing is not something I can take credit as inventing or, or right. doing or otherwise you know, uh, being the only one in the world that does it, like, you know, websites like Indeed and government agencies, uh, like unemployment offices offer these services. But you're getting their level of expertise versus my level of expertise. And if you're not ready to invest in my level of expertise, by all means, find the person that's right for you. Because I, you know, I stand behind what I do. I stand behind the results that I'll produce for you because I've helped people land their dream job uh, in as little as two days. Um, and I've helped 11,000 people do that. Uh, and in the two days, I've helped about 25 to 30 people land their job in two days. So if you don't want that, by all means, that's okay with me. I don't have any qualms and I don't have any ego about I'm the only one. Um, and similarly, uh, as much as I'd love to help most businesses in the U.S. and most individuals, it's physically impossible for me to do so, right. you know, uh, because I'd have to have a conglomerate that's bigger than Walmart, that's bigger than this to be able to actually handle that. And at the end of the day, if I'm servicing every single company in the, the U.S., I can't actually do my business because I can't actually do, let's say, headhunting to actually find them great people because everybody's my client. So I can't have had from anybody. Uh, right. Saying no is, is, is one of, one of those boundaries when we talk about the, the bring a bad, uh, bring, you know, knowing yeah. your boundaries and, you know, saying no is okay. That's a boundary and having those, the ability. Now I know we, we've taken so much of your time and I know we could talk so much more because you, you, I, it's been an honor. You know, thank you. But, uh, but I, what I'd love to do is just ask you, you you've given us so many, uh, seeds that'll grow and things like that. Is there one final piece of advice that you would give either an entrepreneur, a uh, corporation, or an individual that might uh, be helpful in, in when they're going through a, a situation like uh, the ones that you you I'll, I'll do all three of them, sir. So for the okay, individual, sure. ask questions. Right? 
uh, because if you ask, let's say, five recruiters or employment agencies what makes a good resume, you'll probably get 20 different opinions, right? The reason being is they have different clients and each client might have a different style or wording and so forth. So do your homework to find out what's getting results. Like as much as we have AI tools that can write a resume right now, make sure it's representing you and what you bring to the table, not just generic cookie cutter statements. For entrepreneurs, I will say, don't try to do it all yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Surround yourself, let's say, with experts that know what they're doing in their field. Like I hire a great accountant because I don't want to do accounting. I have a lawyer uh, because as much as I'm curious about law, I don't understand all of the nuances and I need to hire lawyers that do uh, know that. So make sure that you hire great people. And as an entrepreneur, also seek mentors. So if you're looking, if you're starting out as an entrepreneur and your goal is to at least make your salary, let's say $100,000 plus a year, find an entrepreneur that's making at least $100,000 a year. When you get to 100,000, find an entrepreneur that's making, let's say half a million dollars a year and hire them as your new mentor because they'll know how to scale from 100,000 to 500,000, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And as a business, be open-minded to the fact that there's outside experts that might bring a perspective that none of the leadership team has thought about or implemented or understands the value of because it's not something that appears on their PNL. So in my case for corporate culture, if I can increase productivity across the board by 20% by feeding employees, that's not something that you'd see on your profit and loss statement as an executive. That's not something that you would see in terms of like, you know, executives look in the Excel spreadsheet and make a decision about how to make things faster, better, more efficient. But they forget sometimes that humans are not robots and they need a washroom break. They need a mm-hmm. the water cooler conversation just to feel normal and feel human. And if you're kind of creating more aggressive, more aggressive, more aggressive uh, quotas, you're taking that human factor away. And that's leading to the 80 to 90 percent of why most people that are employed hate their job kind of thing. That's awesome. Uh, thank you so much. I, I, and it, it's all it's all on. That's why you're an expert. And, uh, you know, everybody should reach out to Joseph to really, you know, pick his brain a little bit. And, and Joseph's one of those people who he, he enjoys those coffee, you know, meetings and really uh, gives a lot of value. I mean, that's really how you and I really started connecting through one of the you know, through the many organizations that we, we, we part, the networking groups, but by sitting together and, and talking. Right. And look, at the end of the day, you'd be surprised sometimes, like, uh, what can come up when you have somebody else looking at your business and going, have you ever thought of this? Have you ever done this? Uh, because they're not necessarily attached. Like, when it's your own business, it's like, it's this is, you know, my beautiful pink uh, dolphin and uh, we're very attached to it because we've poured our heart and soul into it but an outsider can sometimes question you or recommend ideas that might not have been on your path or on your radar yes, sure. because you're so focused on running your business you're so focused on kind of i need to do this i need to do this uh where again you and i in the green room were having a little bit of conversation and i gave you a couple ideas, again, even if they might have been there, 
maybe the way that I kind of presented them helps solidify that you were on the right path sure. or help solidify that these are resources that you should take advantage of to make sure that. Oh, it's validation, right? I mean, there's part of validation. That's why you need to surround yourself with the right people. And Absolutely. if you're going to look to grow, you can't do it all yourself. I mean, that's what, one of the messages that you just gave us to whatever you, whatever you're looking to level up or up level y yourself, you need somebody else to be there with you. You need to do the work. Don't get me wrong, but you definitely need to surround yourself with the right people. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you so much for all this and we'll probably have you back on at some point. Uh, it would be an honor. And thank you again, David, for your time and, uh, for giving me the opportunity to hopefully share some of uh, something that might inspire, touch, and help somebody else level up. Definitely, definitely. And for everybody else, as always, uh, as we wrap it up, want to wish you peace and love. Be within yourself to find that peace and love. Start it from there. And when you bring it back, make sure you hit your sweet spot and knock it out of the park. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Bye. I'm really glad that you're enjoying our show. Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Executive produced by David Chemetsky and George Andriopoulos. Music selections by James Grant, Zach Nelson, and James Gaither, and licensed through Storyblock. Sound effects and sponsorship music licensed through Epidemic Sound. Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat is hosted with Podbean. Subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share with all of your friends. Follow us on Facebook at Peace, Love, and Bring a Back. Follow me, Uncle Dave, Dave Shemetsky, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. You can find all those links and more info at davidshemetsky.com. For show ideas, feedback, guest inquiries, or just a chat, reach out to me at peacelovebringabat at gmail.com. For sponsorship and media inquiries, reach out to peacelovebringabat at lp516.com. Make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Today's journey has come to a close, my friends. I hope the seeds of peace and love continue to grow for each one of you. Remember that peace and love surrounds you and will assist you to rise again. But don't forget to bring it back for what you believe in. Namaste. Namaste.